0: Welcome to Lockdown Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, trying something new here. Uh, This is a mail call episode. The idea is that I'll answer a few mailbag questions that people sent to me on Twitter or emailed to me, and then I took calls while going live on the Locker Room app. Uh, So a hybrid between the usual mailbag I do here and a call-in radio show. Um, I got into why I'm trying to be more optimistic about the Warriors, why they drafted James Wiseman. Your daily Golden State questions. Warriors
1: podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to a mail call here in the locker room app. That's the idea. That'll i answer a few mail back questions that people sent to me on Twitter or emailed to me. Uh, my name is Wes Goldberg. If you don't know me already, I'm the Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, um, and I... Got a bunch of questions about some of these preseason games. Uh, Warriors play tonight in Sacramento. I'm actually recording this from a hotel in Sacramento right now. Um, And I've been on a few different podcasts this week. There's a lot of doom, it feels like. And look, I'm probably guilty of, of purporting it a little bit. But just a lot of gloom about this Warriors team. And my goal today is just to be more optimistic. Basketball is back. Warriors basketball is back. Steph Curry is back. You know? I mean, this is fun. All things aside, I know everything that's going on. We could just have fun. We could try to be optimistic. So that's my goal is to try to be uh,
1: more optimistic. Okay, James. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? Uh, So I actually just... uh... Found you because I got a notification from the locker room app, which I downloaded yesterday. Um, mm. So it's exciting. Um, I want to hear, you know, it's great to hear that you want to be optimistic and stuff because I'm extremely optimistic about this upcoming season. Um, I, I just want to hear kind of what you expect from um, seeing Ubre and Wiggins and, you know, Draymond. He looks great in the pictures I've seen of him coming into the season Uh, You know, Wiseman looks like he could be really great uh, fulfilling the kind of needs that the Warriors have right now. And Steph, of course, I mean, in 28 minutes in a preseason game where he wasn't even, you know, going 100 percent, he scored 29 points. Um, So I'm I'm really hopeful to see Steph back to his kind of MVP form. Um, But, you know, I just want to know what you think about. All the different pieces the Warriors have, how they'll fit together, and uh, you know, I just love to hear your take. So, I've been given. So I I said this once, and this was
0: sort of the doom and gloom thing: was uh, I don't know how much better this year's opening starting lineup is than last year's, right? And last year's was Steph Curry, Andrew Russell, Glenn Robinson, and then Draymond and Kevon Looney. And so this year, the opening day lineup is probably going to be, and look, we'll see what happens at center. I thought Steve Kerr actually not committing to who he was going to start at center was, was pretty telling. I think Wiseman's really got a shot to start opening night. But right. if it's Steph, if it's Steph and Ubre and Wiggins and Draymond and let's let's say Looney, it's not all that different than last year's, but I think there's more depth. Uh, and there's just it's gonna be more fun to watch. I think that the the, the Wiggins yeah. Wiggins and Ubre, they're we'll see, man. I, I've got my doubts about what they could do as as sort of the second scorers right because even when Draymond comes back like I don't know that Draymond's going to score double digit points this year And that doesn't really matter to me Draymond's the organizer we don't need him to really score 12 points a game that's fine right so that, that's going to be Oubre and Wiggins and I think he's gonna he's gonna make their lives so much easier and I just feel like we haven't really gotten a full picture of what this team is it's so hard to do like a complete evaluation of this team without Draymond Green not only because he's the organizer on defense because he's organizer on offense too, and so I think what we've seen so far through through two preseason games, they're going to try to play fast. I think Kelly Oubre is going to be a lot of fun to watch. He's gonna he's gonna be one of these guys I think that Warriors fans are gonna they're gonna scream at him sometimes on TV, and then they're gonna they're gonna celebrate him other times. It's gonna be like the is the, right. the, the, the no 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 yes kind of guy, yeah. and, look, and, and that's fun, right? Like this this I and I that's why I'm trying to be more optimistic is because I feel like I talk to people and and look. I cover the team. I, I don't need. I, I really. It doesn't. I don't care if the team wins or loses. I really don't. And I know journalists say that all the time, but I. I just want them to be fun. Like last year, man. Right. I just. I wasn't enjoying going to these games. It was just. It was. I. I I'm like, all right. I get it. Like Eric Passel is going to dribble six times and then and then post up. Like I've seen this for three months. I'm kind of just over it. I'm bored. And it wasn't fun basketball. So I don't know how many t- games this team is going to win. I really. I don't know if the, how good they're going to be. I saw the ESPN thing about you know, projecting them being out of the, the, the Western Conference, you know, top eight. And I'm I'm just like, look, that that could be the case, like one injury and you never know. But right. uh, I don't know that this team's all that deep and I've got my questions, certainly. But I think they're just going to be fun to watch. And I think they're going to play really hard. They're going to play fast. And, and I think Warriors fans are going to enjoy it. It's not going to be dynasty level, right? It's not going to be what right. Warriors fans were used to for five straight years. But now it's time to kind of, uh, reset expectations, and that's what I think I'm trying to do. Um, because I know when I when I do these things, Warriors fans don't want to hear gloom, doom and gloom. You know, there's there's enough to criticize in my recaps and stuff like that. I just I'm trying today at least. My goal is to be a little bit more optimistic, and that's where I'm at.
1: Great. Well, um, uh, I definitely appreciate it. You know, it's it's yeah. nice to hear kind of someone who's a lot closer and more observant of all the actions, Your uh, your take on everything. So I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, James, for coming on.
1: Thank you. Let's talk about Built
0: Bar. If you're like me, when you get hungry, you can make bad decisions, but the best way to avoid blowing your diet is to be prepared. That's why I always have a box of Built Bars in the kitchen. Not only is this the best-tasting protein bar I've ever had, it's the most healthy and it fills me up while I'm busy or I'm on the go. With 18 amazing flavors, including new ones like Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, and Apple Almond Crisp, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate and soft and easy to chew. They taste like a candy bar, but they're low-calorie and they're low-sugar while also being high in protein and fiber Making them perfect for keto and other low-carb diets. So go to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off on your next order plus a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Again, that's promo code Locked On for 20% off at builtbar.com. Make sure to tune in to Locked On Warriors on Friday for my recap of the final game of the preseason. Let's get to uh, Ryan. Ryan, what's going on, dude? What's up, OS? I don't know if you remember earlier in like the COVID lockdown when everything just started. You reported that the Warriors weren't that high on Wiseman, and you said they were late lottery on him. I think. Yeah, that's right. What do you What do you think changed their minds? The workout in Miami. It's actually it's interesting that you brought the, that you bring this up because I was just talking to somebody close to Wiseman uh, last night about this, and I'm, I'm working on a, a bigger story, uh, just sort of going in depth into what Wiseman was doing for basically 13 months between, you know, leaving Memphis and preparing for the draft. But um, the the workout that the Warriors had in Miami really changed things. I talked to several people in the front office before they worked out Wiseman, which is why I reported that. that were low not only on Wiseman, but the center class in general. Uh, they, they thought that the wings and the ball handlers in this class were much higher. Uh, were, they were much higher on that group than they were any of the big men. But it was really hard to evaluate. He played 69 minutes at Memphis. He played three games, and only one of those games really mattered, the game against Oregon. The first two games were against, you know, the Citadel Central State University or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was really just hard to watch film and get a full picture of what he could be. And in that film, by the way, I I wasn't all that impressed, and the Warriors weren't either. I mean, he didn't show very – he didn't show ball skills – he, he gotten a lot of foul trouble he bit on pump fakes he just he looked really raw and for look I think this upside has always been obvious but for a team that wants to compete right away I don't know that they could have taken a player who is as raw as Wiseman was in those Memphis games but he put in a lot of work and over the course of several months since his last game at Memphis and and the workout that they had they flew out to Miami it was Steve Kerr Bob Myers Joe lake up and and I believe Rex Celebrini, the team's uh You know, head trainer, uh, medical trainer was there and they saw him work out and were blown away with the work that he's put in and what he looks like physically. Again, it's one thing to watch film. Right. But then you see a guy in person. I mean, some people are listed at seven feet tall, like James Wiseman, seven feet tall, like Mm. he is enormous. And uh, and he put in a lot of work on his body, uh, improved his his flexibility and his mobility, which is so important, as you know. In, in today's NBA for a center. You don't want to just be a stiff, right? And he just did he looked really fluid. They were really impressed with all his measurables. And they were impressed with the uh they, they had dinner with him in Miami and were really impressed with him as a character. And uh and and after that, I think they felt a lot more comfortable taking him there at number two. I still I don't think that look they they're excited about what James Wiseman can bring and I think Steve Kerr in particular is really excited about what Wiseman can do. But they're not acting like this is Tim Duncan. They're not acting like this is Zion Williamson. Like, we went into this draft saying, look, there's no Tim Duncan. There's no Zion Williamson. There's no LeBron in this draft. And after the draft, that's still the case. We don't know what James Wiseman's going to look like uh, this year. But I think that they were comfortable enough to take him at number two. If Anthony Edwards had been there at number two, I think that instead of Wiseman, I think they would have been okay with that, too. I thought they, were, they, they saw Anthony Edwards in their high. But th- that's what changed for them was they got a chance to see him in person. And he has the upside, and and given that there is no like slam like a sure blue chip thing person or, or player in that draft, they were comfortable taking wise the when they're excited about what he can bring. He's the he was the simplest solution, um, you know. I went, I, I thought that they were really high on Tyrese Halliburton, um, Isaac Okoro, Devin Vassell, these other guys, and they could have traded down, but I I don't think the right trade down option was there on draft night, and so you know it was just look. They've got the number two pick. By the way, it's very telling that nobody, like all all the, the three teams at the top of the draft, were reportedly for months trying to trade back, and none of them did. I just don't think there was that much of a demand to trade up in this in this draft. So they just take the guy that you're most comfortable with, the number two. That was Wiseman, and everything changed after that workout because it was really hard, like I said, to to, to do a full evaluation before that. So um, yeah, that was. I thought that was interesting, just from a reporting process too, just talking to people. Throughout the, the summer, it's like, well, who are you high on now? Who are you high on now? Because they they had more time to put into this draft than ever. And it was sort of funny that at the end of it you ended up getting the top the consensus top three. One person said the top three guys are the top three guys. And this was probably two weeks before the draft. And I was like, all that work to basically just agree with what everybody's been so I thought that was kind of funny, but um, it did take them a lot of that, a lot of time to get comfortable with with that that top three group. Yep, Thank you, man. two my question. All right, you got it. Um, we are moving on to some of the written-in questions here. Uh, at mid-level exception on Twitter writes in: Is this is, is there a case for staggering Draymond and Steph a bit more than originally planned, so that there is always a high-level playmaker out there? So Steve Kerr has said that he wants to stagger, or he do, he does not want to stagger Steph and Draymond, and and this is kind of harkening back to, to the strategy that he's had all along with the Warriors is you always keep two of your top four on the floor and he's mixed and matched right during the, the Kevin Durant years with, you know, you can put Steph and, and, and KD out there, you can put Draymond with Clay Thompson out there you can mix that group up, but always having two of those top four guys. Well, that's still going to be the case, at least going into this season. It's just now that your top, your top four guys, instead of having Clay Thompson and KD out there, you've got Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre along with Draymond and Steph Curry. I I think that Steve is going to try to keep Steph and Draymond on the floor together as much as possible. I I think it was really telling that in that second preseason game, he started the second, he started the game with Juan Descano Anderson at power forward in, in Draymond's place because Draymond couldn't play. And then in that second half started with Brad Wanamaker as that fifth guy instead of Juan Descano Anderson. He need, they, know he, they needed to get that offense going. And to get the offense going, you needed another ball handler so that Steph could do the roaming thing, the relocation stuff. Like what makes Steph special? He needed another ball handler on the floor to do that. Now, when you have Draymond Green on the floor, you don't have to compromise, right? You don't have to compromise by taking a big body like Toscano Anderson off the court for a ball handler. Draymond Green is the body uh, at power forward. And he can he could be your point guard, essentially, on offense and let Steph Curry play off the ball where he's most effective. And so when Draymond comes back, it's going to make Steph's life so much easier. And I don't see a reason to, to stagger them. I think you're going to try to keep them on the floor as much as possible, especially when, you know, when you, when you, when you talk about staggering them, you have an opportunity cost there, right? Uh, If you're only going to play Steph, you know, 34 minutes a game and Draymond probably between 30 and 32, you know, you want their minutes to align as closely as possible because when you only have one of them on the floor, it's, it's not all that effective. I, I think you get so many, you get such a, a compound result from having both of them on the court that if you just, you got to win those minutes, you know? And then I think you just try to stay even in those minutes that they're not on the floor and you've got Oubre and Wiggins out there trying to figure it out. And they're going to try to play fast and they're going to push the pace. And, and I think that second unit is going to be basically the, those two with maybe Marquise Chris and, and, and Brad Wanamaker. And they're just going to run, right? They're just going to try to outrun teams if, if they can't out-scheme them, or outthink teams, or even outskill teams. They're going to just try to outrun teams in that second unit. Um, but that first unit is going to—they're going to have to have a, a pretty good plus-minus, right? To for for the Warriors to win a lot of games because there's an opportunity. There, there's a chance that they can lose games in those minutes that Steph and, and Draymond sit. And uh, I don't know that you want—I don't know that you want Steph out there by himself. We saw that. I, we we saw what that looks like last year. You know, we saw it at the beginning of the year. Sometimes we saw that what that looked like in the 2019 Finals, right? It's like Steph's great, but he just he can't do it all himself. He's not that kind of player, and so you want Draymond to play with him. And Draymond out there by himself with with a bunch of with a bunch of dudes, like we saw that a lot last year, and we and how ineffective that was. So Steph and Draymond is going to be key. They're they're going to have to win those minutes. Um, they're going to have to win those minutes, and, and they're going to have to try to just cobble together something on this second unit. Cookie Monster writes in, by the way, if you want to talk, just uh, just request to speak and we'll get to your question, but get into more of these written in questions. Cookie Monster writes in, do you think that Marquise Chris is better than Kevon Looney? I think that the way the offense runs with Chris is much better than with Looney. I think Draymond will improve the defense when he comes back, bumping Looney to the bench. What are your thoughts? Uh, first of all, I think that your, your handle, Cookie Monster, is great, um, but I think I would say Marquise Chris in a vacuum is a better player than Kevon Looney. I think that's fair. I I just don't know that that's necessarily what the Warriors are asking themselves when they're putting together the starting lineup. Kevon Looney is starting because he's the best defensive center, right? Um, And the the number one goal for this team is to be a top 10 group on defense. And so if that's your, your first priority, then it makes sense to start your best defensive center which I appreciate. That's a very clear mission statement by this, by this team. I think that's the right. I don't know if they can be a top 10 defense, but man, they got to try. Right. Like you need something stable to fall back on. And I, I don't know, kind of getting back to what I was just talking about that it's going to be on offense. Like when, when Steph and Draymond are out there, you're going to score points, but otherwise you, you need to be a good defensive team from, from start to finish of these games and of this season. Uh, and so it makes sense to start games off with Kevon Looney in there. When Draymond comes back, this defense is going to be much better. If you want to be top 10 defensively, it needs to be a lot better. And so I think you need to keep Kavan in that starting group. Um, but if, if Kevon is undersized, you know, for most compared to most starting centers. So if he starts giving up points in the paint, like he didn't look good in that Sacramento game. He really didn't. Uh, Rashawn Holmes took it to him. And and if Rashawn Holmes is taking it to you, you got a problem. So we'll see if Kavan can sort of bounce back and be a little bit more consistent. And if he can battle that size and what, what it looks like when Draymond comes back, because Draymond's not the guy who's really making up for the size, right? We know Draymond's six foot six. He's small. He's, he's a great help defender, but he's not really the guy that you need to, to, you know, bang bodies in the paint. And so when you're going up against Nikola Jokic or, or some of these bigger guys, I do wonder what they'll do. And if they'll just say, you know what, screw it, let's put Wiseman in there. You know, he's 19, he's young, but at least he's seven feet tall. At least he could just be a really big person, you know, by the rim. Because right now they don't have a big person by the rim. And, you know, they you can have Wiseman go in there and and just be large. You know, you don't have to ask him to go out and be, you know, he likes to compare his game to Kevin Garnett or Chris B- He doesn't have to be that right away. Just be large. You know, I, I a lot of people say, you know, he'll be JaVale McGee on offense. Well, yeah, probably. And I think he'll be Zaza Petrullian on defense. Just play drop coverage, be huge, and just stay between the the other team and the basket. Just put your body there, right? And, and just try to make some plays when you can and, and stay in position. Uh, he's been playing with a lot of energy in practice. That's the word that the Warriors, coaches, and players keep using in scrimmages. A lot of energy, really energetic. You know, that's the word. And uh, and so I think he's going to have to calm down a little bit and focus more on the positioning, focus more on the assignments rather than just trying to make stuff, trying to always make things happen on both ends, trying to create blocks and stuff. That that will come, um, and he's going to have to strike a right balance of doing that. But basically, what I'm saying here is, I, I don't know that Marquise is going to start, even though I think his his playmaking with with Steph is really useful. To go back to this question, it is. It's why he's on this roster. He got he earned a spot on this team because of his chemistry with Steph. There'll be minutes where those two play. Right? And and, and Steph found Marquise for a couple of pick and pops in that second in that Sacramento game. There'll be minutes where they play. Uh, but there's also gonna have to be minutes where Kavan is is anchoring the defense. Maybe he ends up anchoring the second unit defense and, and James Wiseman ends up anchoring the first unit defense. But uh, it's gonna be mix and match at, at center all year long, and maybe it'll just uh Maybe there won't be a consistent starter. Maybe it'll be based on matchups. I can see that entirely being the case. You know, if maybe it's a more of a switching team, you start Kavan, because I think Wiseman still has some work there. And if it's a bigger team where you need a big body, you start Wiseman. Or if you're really not all that worried about it and you want to get out to a quick start on offense, you start Marquise. I think there's options, you know, across the board. Coming up, I'll talk about why Michael Mulder may have already earned a spot in the rotation. We're days away from the start of the NBA regular season. And this week, the Locked On NBA podcast is previewing every team, division by division. Get intel on each team, waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from rejecting the screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Josh Lloyd writes in, and by the way, if you want to talk, uh, just at request to join to speak, and we will get to your question here, uh, recording a Locked On Warriors episode here on the Locker Room app. Uh, thanks, everybody who's listening. Josh Lloyd writes in, is Michael Mulder going to be a rotation guy? And if so, over who? Shout out to Josh Lloyd, by the way, does really good work over the Locked On Fantasy Basketball um, podcast. Uh, great listen if you're into the fantasy sports. i just an expert on all those things. And asking me, I'm sure, for fantasy basketball reasons, if Mulder is going to be a rotation guy and if he's worth drafting. Like, I don't know how fantasy basketball works, so I'm, really, I'm not the best person. I, I assume you get points if players score points. Um, but – I think Mulder is I don't I don't know what a rotation guy this year is in this sort of NBA where you know a player can have a positive coronavirus test and miss four or five games, right? And so I I think that teams that typically would like to play eight or nine guys a night may have to go at a little bit of a deeper bench. You know, they're gonna have to, you know, go to guys thirteen and fourteen a little bit more than maybe they would over the course of a normal regular season. But Mulder to me is one of these guys. Who's gonna maybe force Steve Kerr to play him? Because there's gonna be nights where the offense just really can't do anything in the half court, where Steph is the only above average shooter on the floor, and the spacing is not good, and and the offense is just in a grind. And on those nights, Steve Kerr's gonna look down his bench and he's gonna be like, "Who can I put into this game to loosen things up?" And it's gonna be Michael Mulder, who, without Clay Thompson, is what the second best shooter on this team. I mean, it's crazy to think about, but he is. I know he hasn't really shown it at, in the NBA level yet, but in the G League, man, his stats were bananas from three-point range. I mean, was shooting like 40% on 10 threes a game. In the G League for Sioux Falls, where, you know, Duncan Robinson, who we all know, you know, played a huge part for the Heat in, the, in that finals run that they just made. He got his start, Duncan Robinson, got his start with the Sky Force and ended up getting moved in the Sky Force, the Miami Heat's G League affiliate, and he ended up getting bumped up to the NBA the nba team in miami and uh, and made the impact that we all saw when he left sioux falls and by the way it took him a couple of years to really make that impact with the heat when he left sioux falls they asked michael Mulder to become their new duncan robinson and the stats that he put up like i said were insane now he's yet to really show it at the nba level i think the, the most we saw was in the first preseason game where he made his first three three pointers we had three threes in a three minute span that got the Warriors back into that game or, or helped, you know, stave off the the nuggets there. And so, uh, like I said, when Steve looks down that bench and he needs a little bit of juice, he's going to be like, well, Michael Mulder, get in there. And in those cases, he's going to leapfrog Jordan Poole and Damian Lee and Brad Wanamaker. Maybe Kent Bazemore. I mean, there's just going to be nights where he needs to do it. So I don't know that it's going to be in this year. I, I don't know that the rotation is just going to be, all right. This this is the this is the group every night. This guy comes in at this minute mark of this quarter, etc. There's just there, it's going to be a lot more uh, improvisation from Steve this year than ever, right? Those days of Andre Iguodala comes in and then Sean Livingston comes in and this and then you you know you, you kind of rotate through your three centers and we know exactly what this is going to look like and Steph plays the first the whole first quarter and we just know exactly who's coming in and when. I think that's long gone. And that's how most of the NBA, by the way, operates. It's a little bit more improvisational. And we're going to see a lot more improv from Steve Kerr this year when it comes to the rotations than ever before. Because before, he used to just hand that the rotation assignments off to Mike Brown. Mike Brown was in charge of rotations for years. And so he's still going to have a say, obviously. Mike Brown's his head assistant, but and he'll still have a say in all of that. But it's going to be up to Steve sometimes to say, you know what? The hell with the normal rotation? We need Michael Mulder in right now. Uh, if you have a question, ask to speak here on the locker room app. Thanks to everybody who is listening. Uh, getting to our next written question comes from Rick. I think most Warriors fans this season would be content with an advanced past the first round of the playoffs. Many have championship aspirations, but once Clay Thompson or once Clay Thompson returns next season, with that in mind, would an Andre Iguodala reunion be in the cards? He'll be a free agent then. I envision a David West type role for him. He could play limited but important minutes. What do you think? Um, the Andre Iguodala stuff, man. I don't think that that's going to go away until he retires. <laughs> and even when Iguodala retires, maybe people, well, he lives in the Bay Area. Maybe he'd come out of retirement. I, I think the Iguodala train is is left the building. I, I, I don't, I don't see reunion. And I think if there were a reunion, Warriors fans might be disappointed. You know, Rick, I, I think when you ask, maybe he could play a David West-type role. I, do you really want to have Andre Iguodala playing eight minutes a game, 10 minutes a game, 12 minutes a game? I I, I don't really see it, you know? Um, this team really, they made an effort when Iguodala and Livingston and Kevin Durant, all that group left, to get a little bit younger. And I think it was telling. Yeah, I think Wanamaker's 31, but he's got young legs. Baysmore, you know. These guys are a little bit younger. Ubre and Wiggins are twenty five years old, you know. Just th- this team got younger, and I think they want to stay younger, for the most part, because they want to kind of sustain success. I'm I'm not saying that having Iwadala, you can't sustain success and you can't stay overall a young team. I just don't know that the the role is there. I don't know that the the fit is going to be what it was because Iguodala is going to join this team and it's not going to be what he had. Right? Like this team is just going to play different. And Iguodala at 40 years old or whatever he is at this point, I don't know how much you can really realistically expect from him. And I, and I, so I, I think there's always going to be love between Iguodala and, and and the Warriors. Absolutely. I just, I don't know that that's the direction that they want to go in anymore. I, I think that they want to try to build and, and create something relatively new versus going back and trying to, to go over what it is that they had done already and try to recreate what it, that team, I don't think that they want to do that. They have principles and they have things that they want to stick to, right? The ball movement, all that stuff, like you want to try to recreate that to a certain level, but it's going to look different, right? It's going to be a lot more spacing, a lot more stuff happening beyond the three point line. You know, this, the, the pick and roll it's it's going to be, you know, a little bit more pick and roll probably, Guys would be cutting off of screens instead of popping off of screens a little bit more. You know, Igudala is not helping the team spacing. You know, he's not he's not the three point shooter that they need. I think this team still has a need for maybe one more legit three point shooter. But yeah, I don't I, I don't see the Iguodala reunion really happening. And, and like, I don't know that these questions will ever go away uh, as long as he's in the league and maybe even after. Um, all right, I think I'll jump off now. This was fun. Thanks to the people who uh, called in to the show. This was, this is a mail call episode. So I usually do mailbag episodes on the podcast once a week where I just go through the written questions, but this was fun being able to sort of do this, this, uh, radio style taking calls type deal. And it was, it was a fun mix of some of the written and stuff and some of the people who called in, I really appreciate those who did. Uh, so thanks for joining me. I'll try to do this again next week. And uh, make sure to subscribe to the Lockdown Warriors podcast and follow me here on the lockroom Room app. And uh, we'll see you again. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Again, I'm going to try to do that. That was fun. I'm going to do that more. Probably do it once a week. So instead of the usual mailbag, we'll try to we'll try to put out the mail call there. I'll go live on the lockroom Room app. Uh, you can listen to the live episode there when I do that. You can follow me on Twitter uh, to get alerts for when I when for when I go live. Uh, follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Lockdown Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, say nice things about us. Uh, thank you to Built Bar for sponsoring today's episode. You could send your comments and questions to me again on Twitter at WC Goldberg. You can email those questions also to W Goldberg at Bay Thanks for listening. Stay safe. I'll see you here tomorrow morning for my recap of tonight's game against the Kings.